0: Hey, coming to you live on tape on this, which is a Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. We are smack dab in the middle of the NFL owners meetings, which will run till the 30th, if I am not mistaken. Rich Eggie here with the broken helmet. I actually wanted to record an episode focused on the first two weeks of NFL free agency with all of the trades, all of the new moves, everything taking place before we have the draft come April. And I did all this prep. I was going to record it last night. Ended up just kind of crashing and I said, screw it, I'll do it tomorrow morning. And then last night before I crashed, I... Went on ESPN and I saw a new little news blurb about the NFL owners' meetings and the new amendments to the Rooney rule that have taken place. And because I ended up talking about something very similar in regards to the environment and the pipeline of coaches as it related to Brian Flores, I said, you know what, screw it. I'll put the the free agency trade prep in the can. Have that ready to go and talk about this because it's pretty timely because it just came out yesterday. So, um, like I said, NFL owners' meetings taking place right now, and usually during these meetings, you hear about ways that they try to find to better the league. You know, usually, yeah, replay. That's where these. Ideas of new replay amendments come up. Overtime rules, always a hot-button topic, especially last year with the Bills and the Chiefs. These meetings are where these things get formulated, talked about, passed, not passed, thrown out. You hear about them right here before the draft, and then we move into you know more roster news as the draft goes by. So the news last night out of the Odin meeting was that politics have continued its onslaught on professional sports, specifically with the NFL. And that is in terms of this new amendments to the Rooney Rule. And I, you know, I, I don't even know if it's all within the Rooney Rule, I'm trying to read the article, or if there's just some parts that are amendments to the Rooney Rule, and these are new policies that stand on their own. I don't know how to actually quantify it or, call, or what to call it, but we'll get to it in a second. So as I mentioned, the first podcast of the year, I talked about the Brian Flores lawsuit. And I had talked about how it had good intentions, but it was poor in its delivery. Because Brian Flores wasn't the individual to make the case which he was trying to make. He was not out of a job because he was a minority. It's not the case. It was because of the specific situations that he was in. Number one, the owner and the GM and the quarterback and him was a bad, bad broth to cook in the same pot. It didn't work. I don't even think that's a saying. Bad broth. Whatever. Bad ingredients made a bad broth? I'm going to try to figure out how the fuck to make something eloquent with my food analogy here, and I can't, and I just fucking screwed all my momentum. But, so his situation was specifically related to owner ownership, management, the quarterback situation. He gets thrown out because it just doesn't work out. And then obviously you have the New York Giants part of the equation. And that had nothing to do with him or his demographic makeup because what happened with the giants was they had a specific change in ownership mentality <laughs> or maybe they didn't you know you hear some you know stories coming out of uh, the giants but they said we are hiring a general manager and that general manager will then hire the coach that they want. And ownership is not going to try to have editorial content over that process. And so they bring in Shane from Buffalo. And then he brings in Dable from Buffalo. Why? Because that's what he knows. <laughs> that's what Shane knows. That's what he wants. That's the vision he sees. He's worked with them, etc. There's obviously this text message, you know, that makes it seem as though the hire was made before anything took place, thereby making Brian Flores a complete junk interview that meant nothing. This results in the lawsuit. And after I talked about that lawsuit in the first podcast of the 2022 season, I also discussed what I felt was the real issue. And the real issue, as I saw it, is the pipeline, right? Head coaches get there by traveling a certain path. That is the pipeline. People travel the path differently, but ultimately for those select candidates, the best of the best or the ones that have some kind of qualities that teams want to take a risk on, right? They travel this pipeline that in one way, shape, form has common similarities to it. And how do you change that, (laughs) right? And, you know, ultimately, I can't remember, it was two weeks ago, but I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can change reality. You know, that's one of the biggest downfalls of the era that we're in right now is that people want to change reality. And I don't know if you can do it, right? You can't. I don't know if you can. No, you can't. You can try. Maybe you can try to put things in place that ultimately, down the line, change reality. And I think that's what we'll get to in a little bit here. But you ultimately can't change reality. You can't do it. Right? And you can't change the pipeline that these coaches are taking to get to where they go. And specifically, the length of time that some of these people put in to their coaching profession. It's just nature. How do people enter the coaching realm? And in the first podcast, we talked about Liam Cohen. We talked about Mike McDaniel, Byron Leftwich, D'Amico Rines, Patrick Graham. We talked about how some of it is just trend. Where now the NFL is all about offense, which is alluded to in the rule that we'll get to, versus where it previously was about defense. Brian Belichick. Defense side of the ball. I you know Rex Ryan, defensive side of the ball. I mean, I you know, I'm not going to go through all the coaches, but I'm trying to think of specific ones where you're like, "Oh yeah." Mike Martz, offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I mean, it's just trend sometimes. And now it's offense. Sean McVay, Sean McVay's entire tree. That's the way that it goes. And so on top of trying To figure out what is the path I need to take to get to a a head coaching ranks. And you see it with many of these coaches. They either don't play in the NFL. They fail to play in the NFL. Maybe some of them don't even play in college. But they join as graduate assistants and assistant coaches in the college ranks and move up. Maybe some play a couple of years and immediately start coaching at the pro level. Or the college level. Or whatever it is. But many of the coaches, head coaches that exist today, start their path really early. And players end up benefiting a huge amount financially from their term years of service. And then when it comes to the time of retirement, not many of them have the passion to coach. Coach. Some people don't even like football at all. They play because it makes them money, like a job. Like 99% of people in the world who have jobs that hate them, but it pays them, (laughs) of which I'm not any of them. I don't even have a job. (laughs) Mm. So those people play in the NFL. They ultimately don't enjoy it and then don't continue on. And those that do, I I mean, some play 10 years in the league. And 10 years in the league playing doesn't necessarily equate to 10 years in the league coaching. Different skill sets completely. And so this is the reality that impacts all potential candidates differently. However, it does seem to benefit, if you were looking at terms of negatives and positives, there is a benefit to individuals who don't invest time playing professionally that leave the game behind them in their early 20s and then move over to the coaching ranks and then focus on all of the skills and the knowledge that are inherent in the coaching industry. And you can't change that reality. But the NFL... The NFL has found the answer. Load the deck. Kill fairness altogether. And that's a little bit of exaggeration, but it's also part reality because that is what they are trying to do now with the newest rules that they want to instill. And it's such a small policy procedure that I don't know if it really warrants me talking so much about it. But again, it's just the simple fact that I just discussed this. This Brian Flores lawsuit is going to continue on. You're going to hear about all of these things. And if you wanted to try and promote the best product, you want the best players, you want the best coaches. And I am just a firm believer that that happens naturally. I just am. And like I mentioned in the previous podcast, I keep referring to the previous podcast. You know, listen to 20, one. <laughs> just go listen to one, and you can hear what the fuck I, I said then. But um, just to repeat finally, I just think that all of these owners want winners. They want to win the trophy. And so they hire the best people. And I think ultimately that happens. I don't think people are robbed of opportunity, and if it is, it it might be in the short term, but ultimately, people get their shot if they did deserve their shot. That's just the way that I think. I'm not saying it's right, could be wrong, but I have not seen evidence to the the contrary. But the NFL here has found their answer as they, like I said, are going to load the deck and kill fairness. And before we get to the rule, let's establish a couple of things here. Let's establish that in 2022, you will see a record, a record of defensive coordinators in the NFL at a number of 15. The entire coaching pool of the NFL consists of 39 percent minority coaches. And there are 12 women coaches) <laughs> Whoopsie! (laughs) whoopsie do! Sorry, everybody. That was the wrong button. This was the button that I was going for, followed by this. Good for women. Came across funnier the way that I did it. But, anyway, let's talk about women coaches in the NFL for a second. Because I think that this shows you the bullshit logic that you're witnessing in the NFL right now. Okay? So... Before we talk about the women coaches' logic specifically, let's just talk about logic, right? Let's, let's just reset the game, start at the ground level, and work up. I'm going to use an example that is applicable to the everyday man and woman. Individual I know works for J.P. Morgan. I saw him at a basketball, a rec basketball game my, my kid was playing in. Somebody I knew from, from high school. And they work for J.P. Morgan and they, you know, I, they're a financial advisor. They have people underneath them. And we were talking about going back to the office, et cetera, et cetera. He said he was still working at home. They're slowly getting back in the office. And I was asking the question, oh, yeah, you guys ever going to go back full time, right? You know, because that that's the way that the world used to work before COVID. And he said, nah, I, he said I, I, I don't think you'll ever... I mean We'll get back to the office a little bit, but I don't think you're ever going to see people back in the office full time. I, I mean, it's just not going to work. And, and we were talking a little bit about, oh, yeah, yeah, why, how could it? And then I said, yeah, the logic of it is all shot. And he said, yeah, exactly. There is no more logic to telling people you are going to have to come into an office five days a week without the ability to work from home. Because now that people have worked from home for two years straight, some people never going back into the office, and with all of these companies creating digital technology infrastructure in order to accommodate working from home, you can't all of a sudden turn around, look people in the eyes, and be like, no, you can't work from home. Well, I mean, what? That, that makes absolutely no sense. What? what are you talking about? I can't work from home? No, you can't. You have to come in. Nobody's going to live for it. Because there is no logic to it, right? So now that we have that established, let's go back to the NFL. So when you're talking about the lack of minority coaches, specifically head coach, one of the arguments that you always hear, I don't know argument, but What you always hear is black players make up X percent of the NFL player pool, but only Y percent of the coaching pool, right? Okay, well, women make up zero Mm. percent of the player pool and now have 12 coaching spots. 12 coaching spots, zero have played in the NFL. Now, if women who don't play the sport can coach, what does it matter if you play the game or not? And this kills all the racially weighted arguments related to NFL coaches and its racial makeup. Because you can't have female coaches who have never played and then look at minority coaches who have played and say, well, these individuals make X percent of the playing pool, but... Y% percent of the coaching pool and then turn around and been like, yeah, well, the women make up 0% and they make up, you know, have X amount of jobs. Logic is devoid in any of those arguments anymore. It is. Because with the women, what you're really trying to establish is we are trying to put the best people in place to coach. We want the best coaches. And we will find them wherever they are. And that argument kills the percentage argument. It does. Now, as for women, I mean, congratulations. Good for women. Right? Good for women getting coaching shots. But most importantly, good for talent. Because that and I think I've said this before, is what this is really all about. This is about getting the most talented people to the place they should be. And I agree with that because I'm unemployed and I'm talented and I should be working, God damn it! But that is what we should be talking about. It shouldn't be numbers. It shouldn't be percentages. It should be... Are there a shit ton of talented people out there that are not getting to where they need to go? And if that's the case, how do we get them there? And again, my argument is, I think it does work that way. I just think it does. I don't think that there are all these barriers to entry, which... claim to exist. That's just my opinion. I don't see it. Now, women, yes. You got a point. There aren't a lot of women coaches. There's good reason. They don't play the game. They're not exposed to the game. They're not around it outside of the fact that they watch it on television. Right? There. I mean, again, th- this might show idiocy on my part, but I-, I do not think that there are a lot of pee wee leagues that... Have female players in them and take those numbers and apply them upward. It's not a female sport. And I know that there's been professional women's football leagues and, and the but I mean, come on, let's be honest. Football is not a women's sport. It just isn't. I'm not saying that it can't be. I mean, literally, you could just put women in pads and, and have them play football. I'm not saying that they can't. I'm just saying that it hasn't, right? So, getting women to be coaches, probably you're going to have some kind of barrier. But look, there's 12 coaches now. So, even with no experience, I mean, assuming, I'm not going to go into all 12 female coaches, but you know, the gender has overcome a natural gap to the point that now there are coaches. And those coaches are probably talented, or else they wouldn't get the gig. Because up until recently, again, this rule we'll talk about in a little bit, there wasn't any kind of requirements on interviewing women candidates. There just wasn't. So these women got there organically. And again, organically is a word I used previously. I will continue to use it because organic change is the only change that works and is the only change that produces long-standing results, right? So, there are now 12 girls that are coaches. Women, sorry. I have a tendency to say girls instead of women, and and, it has age connotation to it. Women that are coaches, right? And the most talented people, I think, are getting the jobs that they should get. There should be no ratios, no percentages, because all that shit never works. I mean, remember the Randy (laughs) ratio? Remember that shit? (laughs) Mike Tice, where you at? Doesn't work. Talent shows itself. That's what it is. And with 32 teams, 32 teams, all looking to win some big, shiny trophy, and all those teams are on the clock every single year, every year, because time comes and goes quickly. With all those teams looking to get that trophy, granted Tom Brady doesn't throw it into the river, you're not going to see talent get passed over. It doesn't happen. Because you hear that clock that's ticking? Ultimately, it expires. And when it's over, it's over. And that window is short. And you need to capitalize on any kind of momentum you have within that window in order to try to land yourself a Super Bowl championship team. And so, talent will show itself because people want it. Because they need to win this damn trophy. That's what the owners want. That's what the players want. The coaches want. Everybody wants to be the champ. You have a short time, and so you're not going to pass over talent for, I don't personal views? I uh, Internally racist uh, traits? What? No, it's not happening. So anyway, my stance has been, always will be, that talent shows itself. So let's get to this new rule. And I'm going to read this from ESPN. Kevin Seifert, ESPN staff writer. He writes, all 32 NFL teams will hire a minority offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season, part of a series of policy enhancements announced Monday to address the league's ongoing diversity efforts. (laughs) Note, they don't say issues, they say efforts. What they really want to say is issues, because that's, what everybody else is saying, which is forcing their hand to an extent. Because it's not efforts, it's issues. Because if they were efforts, they would just be allowed to go on naturally. But these are issues. Why? Because people are making them issues. So that's what this is about. Anyway, the coach can be a quote-unquote female or member of an ethnic or racial minority according to the policies adopted by the NFL owners during their annual meeting and will be paid from a league-wide fund. So basically, the coach, which will be an offensive assistant for next year, there will have to be one, can be anyone, anyone except a non-white male. And that's, again, what this is all about. This is not about addressing the current established talent pool and ensuring that the most gifted coaches get their chance to fulfill their potential. This is about politics. That's what it ends up being. So this coach again a female or a member of the ethnic or racial minority will work closely with the head coach and the offensive staff with the goal of increasing minority participation in the pool of offensive coaches that eventually produces the most sought after candidates for head coaching positions again if you want to you want to look at this and you want to see where logic is devoid participation in the pool of offensive coaches offensive coaches defensive coaches eh fuck you buddy mm. Who wants a defensive coach? Nobody! Put your time and effort in the pipeline trying to become a defensive coach and you are fucked because nobody cares no more. It is the goal of increasing minority participation in the pool of offensive coaches that eventually produces the most sought-after candidates for head coaching positions. Quote-unquote, it's a recognition that at the moment, when you look at the stepping stones for a head coach, they are the coordinator positions. That is from Steelers owner, Art Rooney II. He is also the chairman of the NFL Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. He goes on to say, we clearly have a trend where coaches are coming from the offensive side of the ball in recent years, and we clearly do not have as many minorities in the offensive coordinator position. Fuck! Patrick Graham. Mm. Fuck D'Amico Ryans. Mm. You'll get nothing and like him. Because you guys chose the wrong side of the ball when it comes to the current trends in the NFL. So now, again, you want to talk about logic. You want to talk about logic. We have now stated that... Head coaches are coming from the offensive side of the ball. So we are going to take female or minority coaches and put them at the right hand side of the coach on an off in an offensive realm because that will ultimately get more people of that demographic nature into head coaching spots which completely and utterly discredits anybody that works on the defensive side of the ball. Those people no longer have the skill sets needed to be a head coach. And Patrick Graham will will agree that it is a hot pile of bullshit. So don't ask me, ask him. But regardless of my thoughts, uh, this rule does not do anything to place coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Why offensive? Well, because the trend is that offense is, rules is roost right now. So we're going to put people in those positions. Again, load the deck, create complete unfairness with the goal of being fair. What? I mean, ugh. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So anyway, uh, this goes on. Uh, Seifert writes, uh, Commissioner Goodell said in February that league fell short of its goals during the 2022 head coaching hiring cycle and pledged to redouble our, our efforts. And if you don't know what that's from, I mean, it, it, it's almost as though Darth Vader just walked off the, sh- the sh- shuttle and started walking down the Death Star hangar and started... Telling everybody there that hey look the emperor is coming here he's pissed off you guys haven't fixed this fucking Death Star and the guy's like oh we're gonna redouble our efforts I'm gonna shit my pants I I mean th- that's Goodell Goodell is that little bitch boy standing next to Darth Vader I don't know what you would make Darth Vader I'll, I'll actually I do I'll, I'll state later but and he's just shitting his pants I and mean, we're gonna redouble our efforts so Goodell's league has fallen short in their hiring cycle. And so now they're going to quote-unquote redouble their efforts. So in addition to the offensive coaching mandate, a couple other news of notes, and again, devoid of logic, they're going to add women to the language of the Rooney Rule at all levels. Okay, so these new policies are not specifically the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule obviously is in regard to Interviewing minority candidates for the head coaching position and only the interview process. So, this assistant head coach, which I guess is only for the twenty twenty two year. Again, another questionable part of this policy. But I guess it's only for the 2022 20, 22 year. And if it doesn't work out, then they change it. I can, I, oh, who the fuck knows? Like you said, like like I've said, there is no logic to any of this. But anyway, the Rooney Rule stands on its own and is not. Related to the previous policy that I just mentioned about the offensive candidate, uh, offensive coaching candidate. So, in regard to the Rooney Rules, women are added to the language. So now it will read that women and/or people of color can satisfy the requirement to interview two external minorities for top positions, including head coach. But women are not not required to be interviewed, but they will now be included in the fulfillment process. Ah! Huh? So, basically what you have created now is a system where the Rooney Rule, which is supposed to address getting minority candidates the opportunity to have head coaching positions through the interview process can now be supplanted, I think it's supplanted is a correct word, replaced with a woman. And so the Rooney Rule could not even achieve its goals unless now the Rooney Rule doesn't just focus on minority candidates, but also female candidates. But then, if that's the case, then why would you put in the same policy that women are not required to be interviewed? They're only included in the fulfillment process. Women could basically rob minority candidates of the interviews, but. The NFL has given you a rationale for why they have wrote it this way. And I will read, again, this is Rooney again speaking. The truth of the matter is, as of today, at least, there aren't many women in the pool in terms of head coach. We hope that this is going to change over the years, but for the reason we didn't see it as inhibiting the number of interviews for racial minorities at this point in time. Oh, sorry, but for that reason. We didn't see it as inhibiting the number of interviews for racial minorities at this point in time. Obviously, we can address that as time goes on, but for right now, we didn't see that as an issue. Really, we're looking at probably the early stages of women entering the coaching ranks, so we may be a little ways away before that becomes a problem. Okay, so, women could rob minority candidates of interviews, but they... There aren't that many women, so it shouldn't be a problem. Yet, I, what? Yet, I, but if what you said here is your long term goals of having more women there, you, you, really, we are looking at the probability the early, probably the early stages of women entering the coaching ranks, so we may be a little ways away before it becomes a problem. But it could become a problem. So why not address it now? I I don't... This is... The logic in all of this is so fucking beyond human comprehension. Here's an idea. If you want to do numbers and play this as a strict numbers game, right, because data... Analysis is all the rage in the NFL. It's all the rage everywhere. It's all about numbers, right? So why don't we just do this for all the statisticians out there? Why don't we just not mix the two populations? So create a Rooney rule and create, insert name here, rule for females. So that women are being addressed along their own path and minority coaches are being addressed through their path which you know obviously the Rooney rule is created for why would you all of a sudden take female coaches of which there are 12 but the NFL said their goal is to have more why would you take that population then and then water down the Rooney rule population with them when women are not required to be interviewed but they could be included for the fulfillment process. It doesn't make any kind of sense. It's apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges. Make a rule for minority candidates, make a rule for female candidates. But don't mix the two. Because that's where you lose the logic. And that's the frustrating part about this whole thing is that none of this none of this really makes any kind of sense when you think about it. So let's call it for what it is. Right? It's bullshit. I'm sorry. That's what it is. This is a shiny, fancy piece of wrapping paper all tied around and ribboned up around a box of shit. And there's there's some kind of Tommy Boy tangent I could go on there, and I'm not going to. It, the Brian Denny comment, but I don't know if it would work. Right, I can get a good look at a T-bone's ass by sticking my head up. All right, get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take a butcher's word for it. Right, something like that. Anyway, that's what this Rooney Rule has become. It's a box of turds wrapped up in some fancy paper. This is not meant to ensure that the best candidates, regardless of their demographic attributes, land at the position of head coach. This is not to ensure that hard-working coaches, some of which have been grinding out for 20-plus years, get a head coaching shot. This really is meant to say, we're not racist. We're not misogynistic. We can prove it. Look at our fancy new rules. That's what this is all about. And I know by even saying half of the shit that I've said here in the past, I don't know, 30-something minutes, that i probably put myself in a very negative light thankfully i there's like five people that listen to this podcast <laughs> but if it was tens of thousands of people you know I, saying something like this probably would be a net negative for me if this was I, you know podcast was anything other than something that i just like to do because it's fun um, because it's racially charged, and it, it not only is it racially charged, it's along a thought thought process that isn't well embraced right now, and you know that that's part of the issue too. Is that part of what's going on here? Isn't the NFL's fault, but rather society? Re- re- because regardless of reality. Anything public that has tangibility to public dollars has been taken over by politics 100%. And it's been taken over by politics by the way of public shaming and virtue signaling in order to serve agendas. Facts. The NFL falls in that world. And that's just the way that it is. That is the reality that we live in, and we can't change that, unfortunately. The NFL specifically can't change that because there's big-time public dollars involved in this. Television contracts, tickets, merchandising, everything. Merchandising! Everything is tied into this. So, you're not going to get anything less out of the NFL than constant virtue signal. I mean, that's just the way that it's going to be. I don't think it needs to be done, to be completely honest. Because, like I said, my issue with all this shit is that when you look at it logically, it doesn't make sense. The idea is to get the best candidates into the position of coaches. And if you don't think that that is the current system or the current environment, then who are the people that are missing out on the jobs? All these policies and procedures basically say that the only people that are missing out on these jobs are black males and now females, right? But not to a a big extent because, like, come on, you know, NFL. NFL saying, let's be honest, you know, girls aren't an issue right now. There's only a couple of them, right? So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Fucking NFL. Right? But the NFL falls in this wacky political world that we all now live in on our day-to-day lives, which is maddening. But the NFL, like all of us, live in this world now. And so they're just trying to figure out a way to navigate these gigantic editorial societal hands that are all over this league. But ultimately, you know, these policies and the new amendments to the Rooney Rule, it does nothing. Because look at what the Rooney Rule has done so far. Right? I mean, the Rooney Rule has been in existence for how many years now? And we're still facing the same issue, which is that there is a lack of minority coaches in the NFL. So whatever this rule was meant to do, All this time later, it has not accomplished. And again, the reason behind that is because rules and forced policies can't alter reality. You cannot. You can't change reality. It's not a fucking possibility for anybody. And sometimes reality isn't fair, but you can't change it. I don't necessarily think it's unfair in this regard. But you know what? Even if if it was, you can't change reality. You just can't do it. But again, in this case, the way that I feel is that I think the best coaches ultimately get a chance. They get their shot. And yes, there are sometimes shitty hires that are head-scratching. You can go through the list. You have your Rich Kotites, your Ray Hanleys, Cam Camerons, Lou Holtz's, Urban Myers, Rod Marinelli, Mike Tice, Lovey Smith. Head scratching. Head scratching sometimes. But I can't think of anyone in NFL history who missed out on their chance where people look back and say, you know what? You know who never got a chance? That guy. I can't think of it. And there was one, there was actually one person I remember back in the day, early 2000s, I was at 790 to take it down in Miami, and Mark Tressman was an offensive uh, assistant or offensive coordinator for maybe Wonstadt's Dolphins. And people talked about him, you know, behind the scenes a ton. Uh, He deserves a chance. Tressman ultimately got a shot. He ultimately got a chance to be the head coach in the NFL. It didn't work out, and he is no longer a head coach in the NFL. Again, just trying to add ammunition to my argument that the good coaches get their chance. They just do, and I can't think of anybody who hasn't. Now, again, there are probably NFL beat writers who have been around the league for 30 to 40 years who would probably say, well, Rich, you should shut your fucking mouth because you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, whatever. I'm just using the information that I have and the history that is before me documented on the internet and I haven't been able to remember or find any specific individual that people were like, you know, that guy deserved a chance and he didn't get it. So, the, the part that really sucks about this is that all this does is potentially rob another coach of their chance To get that exposure from this one offensive spot. Because this one offensive spot now has to go to a select individual. And so maybe that spot belongs to a different candidate. Now, I don't think that the two will come into competition with each other. Because again... I don't believe in forced rules, enforced policies, and I don't think whatever you try to do in regards to loading the deck is going to prevent owners and general managers from hiring the people that they want to hire. And they are not hiring the people that they want to hire based on color, race, or creed. It ain't happening. They're hiring people who are the best candidates, or the candidates that they truly believe are going to be able to get them to the promised land. And if they don't hire those people, they're doing their teams, their owners, their fan bases disservices. Now, in decades past, could this have been an issue? I am sure it was. And I am sure in a different America at an earlier time that there were people that got passed over for terrible reasons. I am not stupid and I'm not oblivious to reality. I understand what this country, the world in certain regards, has gone through over time. I'm not a dummy. In 2022, however, I find it hard-pressed to think that general managers and owners are not looking for the best candidates to get their team to the promised land, which is why some hires, specifically Lovie Smith, are just head-scratching. Because how is that going to better your team? Because Lovey Smith, the coach, the coach has had his time. It didn't work out. It didn't get better. It got worse. He went to the college ranks. It still got worse. So why is this time different? Right? Why is this time different than the rest? It doesn't make sense. But there's just one of many examples over history of bad hires Let's go back to this offensive spot. I really don't think that it is going to assist candidates in getting the head coaching spot. Just like the Rooney rule didn't necessarily help minority candidates get the head coaching spot. So what happens when this doesn't result in a head coach that is a female or a minority candidate? What happens? Do you change the rule yet again? Do you add another rule? Do you force teams over a certain point of your history you must hire a minority women coach? woman coach as your head coach? I, I mean, what happens when this doesn't net results? If you don't believe that reality is producing the best candidates and your previous rules didn't work, why is this one going to work? You know, I I mean, that this is my issue. You think this virtue exposure, exposure offensively, mind you, not defensively, but this virtual ex, virtue exposing on the offensive side of the ball is going to bridge the gap between the head coaching demographic numbers? You really think that that's going to happen? You're going to take somebody, put them in this coaching spot, and then that's going to catapult them to the head coach? It won't, by the way, because next year when they go to hire coaches, they're going to establish what are the current trends. It's probably offensive. Who are the hot coaches? Who are the coaches underneath them that have seen that system? We want those systems in our programs, so let's try to address who we could pull over to basically bring those systems and install them in our member club. That's what's going to happen. It's not going to be, oh, you know what? The assistant head coach minority female spot that was created in 2022 really showed us that person X has that capability. Let's just hire them. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not how it works. Wait until 2022 is over, see which team set the league on fire, and then try to cherry pick from those coaching trees, which by the way, has been the process for eternity. Eternity! That's the way it has worked forever and has produced all of the great coaches. Bill Belichick got his shot because Bill Belichick Belichick coached under Parcells. Under Parcells. Right? So... There's the greatest head coach of all time. Came from a tree. His tree has been pilfered over the decades with the same goal in mind, and that is to find the next great head coach. Hasn't worked out. Josh McDaniels, Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss, Matt Patricia. Hasn't worked. Joe Judge. Oh, God. Um, but even though it doesn't net results doesn't mean that that process that has existed for decades is going to change regardless of what are, whatever rules are put in place right but what happens you know think about it so they put this in place on the offensive side of the ball hoping to bridge the gap between the current Coaching demographics and what they want, but what happens if there's a shift to the defensive side of the ball? Something happens over the next couple of years, and then all of a sudden, defense is now in vogue in the NFL. I don't see that happening, obviously, for you know reasons well established. But uh, you know, it is going to be an offensive league going forward. But let's just say something changes. Some mastermind comes up with a a, a defensive approach that just changes the league you know, turns it on its head, and all of a sudden, all this offense is junk. What happens then? Do the rules change? Do we change the rule? Now it's got to be a defensive assistant coach on the right hand of the head coach. Is that what we do? You know, and while we're at it, can this be applied elsewhere? Right? Minority quarterbacks, always been a hot-button topic. Always been a hot-button topic. Why not mandate a, you know, minority quarterback on each roster? Right. See, this is the kind of thinking that gets real ugly when you start to apply it across the board. Right. Because it's not a healthy. Well, you know, it's not a healthy way of thinking. I can't think of anything else to describe it, but it's because it's not fair in its nature. And so when you start applying it across the board, you ultimately see its flaws. And that's why I just don't like any kind of policies and rules such as these that have been employed not only in the NFL, but like I said, you know, across society, whenever there is public dollars at stake, and public companies, this is what you see nowadays. This is the kind of thinking that you, that you see. It is always about the wrapping. And when push comes to shove, what can we offer in terms of evidence to ensure that we don't think a certain way? That's what all that this is about. When what it really should be about is we want to be the best. As we do so, we also want to behave ethically. Have high moral standards and conduct ourselves a certain way as we continue to achieve greatness. That is what the mantra for everybody should be. I mean, fuck that. Who the fuck am I, right? I, I'm telling everybody what they should I, Whatever. This is my opinion. That's how I think that people should live. Live good, do good, be good. Right? That's the idea. And try to win your damnedest as you do that. But it's, you know, not the way... That the world works right now. And not much can be done. Because it really is the world in which we live. But the minute that I read this story, you know, my blood just boiled. And it shot all my other prep for the other podcast I wanted to record. Which I'll try to record, I think, probably tonight. But again, it just makes me mad. Because I want the best product. That's what I want. As it relates to this podcast, I watch the NFL. I love the NFL. I love fo- I, I love football. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, I love the NFL more than I love football, I think. Because I try to watch college and I just can't get into it. Not always. Uh, but I do love the NFL. And I just want the best product out there in every regard. And I really hate the fact that there have been so many public agendas and so much political thinking that has made its way uh, into the league not because i think that the ultimate goals as stated are ill conceived i mean who doesn't want you know equality and fairness but my problem is that i just don't think it's fair and i think that it's i think it's fraudulent because i don't think the true intention is to elevate the best talent I think it's made to seem as though that's the case. And then you provide evidence that you can then therefore turn back, point to, and utilize in your political public arguments. And as I say the words politics again i think that's where we're going to put a pin in this sucker because i can't do it anymore i can't do it i i, I shouldn't have wasted an entire podcast uh, talking about this rule because it really doesn't uh, it doesn't float my boat but i for whatever reason you know i it just i, I couldn't help myself i couldn't help myself because it just Makes me so irritated uh, to see just our, our normal w- walk of life be infiltrated by so many garbaggio trains of thought ways of thinking that I just flew off the handle. So anyway, uh, next uh, podcast that I record will ultimately end up being about the first two weeks of free agency and I will try to get to that probably tonight or the next day Uh, and we'll look back at the crazy movement that has been and see where that leaves us as a league Before we get to that draft, which is only, I mean, shit, I guess we can say it's weeks away, right? So, uh, until I talk to you next, enjoy. Peace out.